0: Welcome to a special crossover episode, Dean. Are we calling it a crossover episode of the OU and OSU Sports Extra podcast? Softball I, special?
1: I think we have to. I mean, this is a rare occasion right here.
0: This is pretty cool. It's uh, reminiscent, I don't know, thinking all the way back, like the Nickelodeon crossover episodes. <laughs> Jimmy Neutron and uh, Timmy Turner might end up in the same universe. That's that's what this feels like. We are here today. Uh, I'm Eli Letterman. O- o- OU beat writer with Dean Rule, Oklahoma State beat writer from the Tulsa World. Going to talk primarily softball ahead of a, a big weekend, both in Stillwater and Norman. We'll hit a little baseball at the end. We're recording here uh, Thursday morning with in Arlington with the Big 12 baseball. We've got OSU playing this afternoon, o- OU tonight, uh, and then OSU kicking things off with the super regional action in Stillwater uh, with Oregon this evening. Uh, Dean, I'll, I'll start here on the on the OSU softball front. Uh, we, we saw this team stumble through the end of the season. And I don't know, you can tell me what you felt, but I don't think we really had a sense of what to expect when the postseason began. How big do you was it to just watch for, for, for OSU, to, to watch them get through that weekend, celebrate the way they did, but are they now maybe kind of settled again?
1: Right. I, I think we're still a little bit... There's still a little bit of time before I think we start putting them in the they're settled back in because that game against Nebraska, the, the the seventh inning, the outcome that they had in the seventh inning was different from all these outcomes they had uh previously. But the buildup was the same. They were getting they they were hitting the ball, but they weren't getting on base. They were struggling to drive runners in. Um pitching, the pitching wasn't bad, but you know, you had some issues with pass balls, but, but regardless that they make it out of the weekend, pretty unscathed, you know, that they outscored opponents 20 to two. Uh, I, I think that's worth mentioning. And, and if they can get through this weekend, even if, you know, lose one, that's fine. I think if they get through this weekend and they punch that, ticket back to the women's college world series, then all of a sudden it's no longer, you know, you, you're no longer questioning them because they're where everybody expected them to be. Which is, you know, one of the last eight teams, and and so I think that's going to be kind of the the way it's looked at is sure the journey was probably not how you thought it'd pan out, but the outcome is the same because you're you you made it to OKC, and, and that's been the goal the whole season.
0: Yeah, I, I think that finish you point out it was had a lot of the same hallmarks of the the games they had lost in late April, early May, in Big Twelve tournament, but. The outcome was different. And that's, I think, what if you were an OSU fan, maybe if you're Kenny Gajewski, you lean on. of, of They've hit reset in some way and that they've got something they they kind of didn't have in the closing stages of the season. And they were very un-OSU-like, I thought. I mean, I, for my Stillwater credentials, I spent a year covering them up there in 2021 when they won the Big 12 tournament. Uh, you know, they were, excuse me, that was last spring, 2022, mixing up my years. 2022, I mean, they were a few outs away from making that World Series final with Oklahoma. And so we know that, you know, this team is there. We know their caliber, but they, they weren't showing it for, for a good part, good stretch there. Um, but it would appear, and I, I might be with you, not ready to just say they're fully on track yet, but they're two wins away from being back to where they're supposed to be. And I, I think, you know, as you said, even if this goes three games this weekend, two wins over a good Oregon team would probably tell you everything you need to know to at least have some confidence about them coming to OKC. What I'm staring at right now, though, is that it's the the still shop with the clip of, of Kenny Gaieski holding uh, the, the, the horse on the pole, wearing a hat. He's got the feather boa around. What was the vibe around the celebration uh, last weekend in Stillwater? And what has Kenny had to say about it since? Right. You know, I I think
1: he, you're always going to have those kind of stories come out of a um, – postseason softball run there, there's always good ones to to come out I forget who somebody had a goldfish in a dugout once I forget which team that was but uh yeah you know I, I think it's just getting back to the basics is is really what they needed and and I think part of that is you know having these celebrations and and doing that kind of thing I think from a mental standpoint obviously that's big and then and then on the field you know it, it's almost like a, a kicker in football Nobody ever talks about the kicker until they miss the kick. Um, It's the same thing. Nobody talks about the fundamentals until the fundamentals are not sound. Uh, And that's something that they struggled with recently. And, you know, look at them in the Big 12 tournament committing four errors, uh, allowed Kansas to come back in and end up beating them. So to go, you know, they make it through this weekend committing no errors that they had some great defensive play. They had some, you know, it, it was solid pitching outside of the, those two wild pitches. Um Yeah. I, I think when you get back to fundamentals, you're able to, to roll through, you know, a lot of people picked Wichita state to win that region. A lot of, a lot of the national pundits were kind of on board with, with Wichita state coming out of, out of the Stillwater regional. And so anyway, to string together all these and, and, and have the weekend you have, you know, I think some celebrations in order and, and you saw that and, it's kind of a fun story to tell and, and, and all those good things.
0: You know, Dean, it's gonna be a terrible joke. You can't spell uh, fundamental without F-U-N. <laughs> it's not fun. Uh no, I, but I alright, I say that jokingly, but I think what's made this Oklahoma State team successful, like on their rise under Kenny Gajewski, has been embracing their their weird or 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 their their fun. I, I think they do things differently. Kenny will say it often, and it's not one or the other is is good or bad, but they do things differently than they do in Norman. And when I saw him, you know, knowing what they had had those three weeks prior, uh, the fact that it really wasn't, you know, it wasn't super-duper straightforward last weekend, getting to see them celebrate that way, I think, told me a lot about where they're at and maybe regaining that swagger. And it's a unique swagger. You know, Oklahoma, we'll get to them. Their swagger is very defined, and Oklahoma State's is as well, and they're very different. And I, I think that that was an indication of them at least feeling a bit back there. We might find out this weekend that it was short-lived, but uh, that that to me looked like Oklahoma State softball at its best, and I, I think that's where they need to be this time of year if they're going to do what they want to do.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, OU in and of – OU, the definition of OU softball is just winning and just doing it in, you know, spectacular fashion. Um, not that OSU has not had their own winning success uh in the in the past couple of years, but you know, OU has the rings to prove it. And and yeah, I, I think they're very the, the definitions are very different, and that's okay. And 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 there are multiple ways to have success in the sport and and uh you know have a have a good time doing it. Um, so yeah I I 100% agree I think the 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 way you define those two teams are very different but you know they both have the talent they both have you know OU's pedigree is probably a bit more established but OSU is is right up there with them um, in terms of yeah you know the wins and this is who's coming out and it's no surprise that both of these teams are playing in the second weekend and I think if you look at you know, not not to, you know, just start saying, oh, yeah, they're winning. They you know, write, Not not trying to write teams into to OKC already, but, you know, I think they both have a pretty good, oppor- favorable opportunity to, to, to end up there next week.
0: Yeah, I mean, I for most of the season, we we're talking about one and two right there for OSU slid, but if they do find themselves back in OKC, you're talking about a one of the more talented teams in the nation with some, you know, someone like Kelly Maxwell in the circle, uh, one of the most dangerous pitchers in the nation and a team that, you know, in that field, it, it'll probably be viewed if, if OU is there as kind of OU and everyone else, because it'll mean OU is probably riding, you know, even if they were to drop a game, they're looking at 48 and one in the last 49 games. I mean, that's yes. We'll get to OU, but, but point being that this Oklahoma State team is on their tail for much of the season. And I think if they get there to OKC, they're they're just as dangerous as anybody. But Dean, what, what's it going to take for them this weekend to get there? What what challenges does Oregon present? Uh, and, and what does the Cowgirls maybe need to do? What does Kenny Gajewski felt like they needed to do better this weekend? Yeah, so I think
1: the main thing with them is you're facing an Oregon team that's got a super hot bat right. The offense is firing on all cylinders. Um, 24 runs in their past two games. Both of those against Arkansas, who was ranked number eleven in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. So that, that that's really where the Ducks are are leaning on right now, and and it's really going to come down to you know Kelly Maxwell. She had some rough starts, eh, not rough. I don't know if we want to classify them as rough, but but not Kelly Maxwell starts against OU in Kansas. Uh, at the end of the season and then she she's rallied and she's strung together two really strong ones in uh in regional play so I think it's going to be building off that obviously Kelly and, and Kenny Gajski really had, had an interesting a lot of interesting stuff to say about Kelly Maxwell you know she's been pitching for you know she's been the ace the past two she's been pitching for four seasons he said there's you know in, in all these softball analytics there's video of 3,000 plus pitches that Kelly Maxwell has thrown and so teams are able to really kind of figure out what works and while the sample size is small because Kelly Maxwell doesn't get you know hit a lot she doesn't allow a ton of runs it's allowed people to kind of adapt their game around around playing against her and what that does is not so much that she needs to adapt but it's about just continuing to build on your strengths and so she did that this past week, you know, that those were strong pitching uh, pitching outings for her. And, and I think if, if Kelly Maxwell, who I assume will start Thursday night, um, it's all about stringing those together and, and keeping Oregon, Oregon's offense at bay. I think if they're able to do that, then, then I think that they're going to be favored to win this
0: series. And beyond Kelly Maxwell, I mean, that, that's where whether it's this weekend against a hot offense or, or if it's, if the Cowgirls advance, uh, we're talking about, you know, needing pitching depth in OKC. Where where do they stand there right now in terms of confidence?
1: Yeah, I mean, there there's Ken Gajewski is very confident in this pitching staff because of its depth. Um, he puts a lot of that on pitching coach John Bardfeld. Um, there's all kinds of it, it, it's probably the deepest staff that they've had because you've got Kelly Maxwell, you've got Lexi Kilfoil, and then you've also got a freshman in Kyra Acock, who's really stepped up and has has become this. You know, I think everybody remembers her her pitching against OU in that second in that Saturday game of uh, the Bedlam series. I think that kind of put her on the map a little bit, but she's been putting together really strong starts throughout the season. Uh, so they've got a really deep group, and and it's hard to share the innings, but I think that's something that. And I think I see with OU a little bit too, Eli. But just we'll get to that in a second. But but I think really what it is is if you're able to spread out these innings and and not burn out your pitchers in the regular season, the performance that they can put on in postseason play when maybe not everybody's seen them as much as they normally would, I I think it really gives you an advantage. And I know you wrote something about um, OU's pitching staff and their you know incredible team ERA. Um, I mean, there's we could probably sit here for 20 minutes and talk about just insane OU softball statistics, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I know you you wrote about that. And so obviously, OSU's made pitching depth a priority this year, and I know
0: OU has as well. Uh, what are you seeing there? Uh, OU or OSU? For OU, for o- well, I mean OU. So we're coming down the term uh, the the road about an hour south to Norman and. Just for, for the getting the details in while we're still on OSU, it's 8 p.m. tonight. We're, we're recording this a little before noon Thursday, 8 p.m. ESPN2. 5 p.m. is game two Friday on ESPN2. And then Saturday is that, you know, if necessary game. But, but down in Norman, uh, the pitching, you know, th- yes, this is just another one of Patty Gatto's dominant over overmatching teams. But I think what makes this one unique, and she's even said it, she doesn't believe she's had better pitching depth than this before. Is just how strong they are in the circle. I think in years past, um, whether it was down to injury or, or depth, they they probably had one, maybe two, that they felt this good about. They've got three pitchers in Jordy ball Nicole May, and Alex DiRocco, any of whom I, I think you could trust to give the ball to in game one. And and so there's, there's power in those numbers. There's also power for Patty Gasso, and she's acknowledged this, in that versatility. Teams don't know what, she, what they're going to throw at them. Uh, on a given day because there really is not a defined pecking order because they've all been so so prolific. And, you know, behind them, Kirsten Deal, you know, the National High School Player of the Year is a freshman. She's pitched plenty. I bet if, if they get up big, whether it's here or if they advance to to Oklahoma City and they get up big in one of those games, you'll see her. But the, the pitching depth is is one of the things that's setting this team apart um, fr- from teams in the past. And you know, they've, they've always hit. They've always done, you know, certain things well. But the pitching has, has gone to a new level, and uh, I think it's a in large part or a, a large portion of why we're here. Where the Sooners going to this weekend with forty six straight wins? They are two wins away from breaking the all time win streak record in the nation set by Arizona in nineteen ninety seven. You know, when they, if they win these next two games, they'll be there, punching their ticket to uh, to back to Oklahoma City with a record setting win. But it, it's been the pitching, but but really and we can dive into this more broadly, but I, I think what's made this one of Patty Gasso's best teams has been just how balanced they are across the board. This lineup, one through nine, is, is different than it's been in the past. In the past, they were, they had the luxury of Jocelyn Allo, who was not just one of the best hitters in the nation, but probably one of the most clutch and most feared and all that. They don't have a Jocelyn Allo, but uh, I'll credit my friend Ryan Chapman from the franchise, uh, who said, you know, it's like the money ball quote they couldn't replace out Jocelyn Alice. They've replaced her in the aggregate and they've got a lineup that is hitting top to bottom. They're pitching at an elite level and they're fielding better than in any season under Patty Gasso. So if you're wondering where are the holes for the Sooners, they are hard to find.
1: And so you, uh, you were out there Saturday, Friday or Saturday.
0: Uh, I was there throughout the weekend, but yeah, Friday afternoon, <laughs> they, that was a uh, Jordy ball just mowed down my Missouri Tigers. Uh, not that I have much of a rooting interest there, but she was she was at her best, and, uh, and you know, note with Jordy is, is a year ago this time she was dealing with an elbow injury, and so for her to be back pitching this way um, is huge for them and huge for her. And so you've probably heard this question many a
1: time, but what is it going to take for a team, especially in a best of three series, to even remotely put themselves in a situation that they could
0: potentially upset o- OU? I think the hard thing is envisioning OU dropping two games because they yeah. simply haven't done it this season. They lost once in February and haven't lost since. But let's talk about Clemson because they would be a team that you could you could kind of envision a path where they could get a win. They are most likely, I'm assuming, Friday, tomorrow afternoon, they'll start Valerie Cagle, who's one of the three uh, finalists for National Player of the Year, two-way star. She pitches, she hits, and does it all at an exceptional National Player of the Year level. So if you could forecast, you know, Valerie Cagle gives this lineup some trouble and a, a good offense is able to scratch some runs off of OU uh, and and they take game one. It's hard to envision a, a Sooners team that I think, if I had to predict, again, we haven't seen it. I guess the, the only response we've seen to a loss this year has been 46 straight wins, if that tells you anything. <laughs> but a team that I think would turn around and and that would give them... If they needed a kick in the butt, and I don't think they do, you know, Patty has talked about complacency, but not that it's a real worry, just making sure it doesn't set in. That would be enough to really supercharge them. And then again, there, you, you couldn't go into that game two or three if you were Clemson banking on, all right, if we get to game three, at least we're facing pitcher X, you know, that third starter who maybe isn't as reliable. I think that's where OU, I, I've done it with Eric on our podcast. You know, I don't like to use the term unbeatable, but I think what makes them so difficult, whether it's this weekend or in OKC, is that you're going to have to beat them twice somewhere. And it's really hard to envision just the way they're set up, a team being able to do that.
1: And so you had something interesting uh, in today's paper about them
0: playing Clemson and, and Brent Venables. What's that kind of story, Eli? Yeah, that started out as a shot at the dark. I was got a hold of John Rittman, Clemson's uh, head softball coach, earlier this week. And they're a fascinating program in their own right because they only got started. Their first competitive games came in the spring of 2020 just before COVID hit. And four years later, their four seasons in, they are making their third straight NCAA tournament appearance, second straight super regional appearance, uh, and with good investment. And it goes to show what happens when you invest in women's sports or invest in a softball program, what can happen and, and how fast. They're on the national national stage and they, they are uh you know contending they're two wins away from their first ever women's college world series appearance. Uh, and so I was on the phone with him chatting about all that. And I just said at the end, you were on campus with Brent Venables for about four years, right? Any chance, you know, you guys had a relationship and they they really did. I mean, it wasn't um, you know, buddy buddy vacationing with each other's families, but There was a lot of respect there. And, you know, for for John Rittman and his staff, a big part of the appeal of that Clemson job was building from scratch and building a program from the ground up. And Brent Venables over that time, and he's a passionate softball fan. We've seen him at Marita Hines Field. He really admired and was fascinated by the, the process of watching a team and a program get built up from the ground up. And so I had the opportunity then to speak with Brent about it. Uh, and and he just had a lot of really great things to say about, you know, the, they were his final years at Clemson, but watching this program sprout, having a lot of respect for John Rittman. And, and now, uh, you know, he even said he couldn't have seen it coming this fast, but to see how quickly they've been able to rise, um, you know, Brent Venables, I guess, you know, he was in early on Clemson softball and, uh, and here they are now. So should we be expecting a, uh,
1: a little cameo from Brent Venables uh, this weekend?
0: Oh, here's the most disappointing end of it. He, uh, and he, he himself was disappointed. Uh, I asked him at the end I was asking, him, you know, family getting away soon and he, they are getting to the lake this weekend, the Venables. Oh. And, uh, so he said, they will be by a TV cause they won't miss it. But he, uh, I was, I was just figuring he'd be there. That would have been pretty electric. I've seen him throw out a first pitch once at Marina Hines. Uh, I think, a, an OU Clemson game, but I believe to be the first meeting between the schools at all since he returned. And it, it if not that, certainly the first on-campus meeting uh, between the schools would have been would have been something. But I can confirm he'll be uh, on the lake and uh, and certainly following along. So you know, I want to
1: go back to something you said right there, or you said earlier about how they kind of money-balled the Jocelyn Aloe. <laughs> right? Um, who, from your eyes, you know, has really stepped up and. What players do you really think, as this has become, like you said, such a balanced attack, offensively one through nine, it's no longer relying on the one player. It's now nine players. Who do you kind of see laying in, into that role of, of replacing Allo as best you can? Like, who's going to have they, the biggest yeah. offensive impact this weekend?
0: Well, when you think about additions and probably, like, the closest one for one, like, if they felt like they had to – Let's say there's no replacing Jocelyn Alla, the the greatest home run hitter in the history of college softball. But you got to try. Haley Lee coming in this year, and and she's someone Patty Gasso has talked about fearing in the past when they went up against her. She comes in and she has been that for them, 13 home runs, hitting 401. She has been there in the lineup, the replacement for that power bat. Um, But where they made up for it is just everywhere else. You have Tiare Jennings uh, in... In her second season, just blossoming, hitting four thirty nine. Jada Coleman is is still just elite, and she'd probably be if if anyone. Uh, excuse me, it was it's Cr Jennings' junior season, but uh, Jada Coleman. If there's anyone who should have felt snubbed by the fact that OU didn't have uh, a national finalist for player of the year, she probably would have been the one to to be most upset. Kinsey Hanson uh, ha- has been stellar at at catcher, and and maybe a just a good uh, indicator of of how deep this goes. Sophia Nugent is their third string catcher. She's got seven home runs and is hitting a shade below 300. So it's, a, to me, it's as much about who's at the top as it is when they're at the bottom of the order, it doesn't get any easier. And, and we're even seeing, uh, you know, over the regional weekend, when they would get up big in those games, they were putting some of the freshmen in some of the, the reserves in and they were hitting. And so they're, it's, I don't think they've been this consistent, top to bottom, hitting the baseball, or excuse me, softball. And I think it's a lot of why they are, they're here, because they can. They don't need Jocelyn Allo or, or one person to have a big weekend or a big day. They're not leaning on one person. It is top to bottom. It's Alyssa Brito. It's, it's Riley Boone, Jocelyn Erickson, Grace Lyons. It's everywhere. And I think that's what makes them so dangerous. Well, Eli, you want to chat a little baseball? Let's chat a little baseball. we got to be careful here because, I mean, by the time this even gets out, OSU will be underway this afternoon, and, and Oklahoma uh, will be playing tonight. But it starts day one at the, the Big 12 tournament, and after we saw OSU take care of business in Norman last weekend, uh, and, and, you know, they, they enter in a good position, maybe playing for hosting rights and all that, OU comes to Arlington needing probably two wins to feel good about its place in the tournament field at all. And for them to get that, that, that one win, not going with one of their top starters, you know, Carson Atwood was just kind of making a spot start to make sure that they could rest the other guys. And that's a risk because if, if that doesn't go well, you're in that loser's bracket and, and you're playing from behind. But for OU to get that night one win, uh, or I guess it was evening one win, I, I think was really big for them in terms of, you know, what it might mean on the, the resume in the postseason. But riding that conference mom- uh, confidence and momentum it it's not the team from last year that went to the college world series and and the men's college world series championship, but they are doing a lot of similar things in terms of turning it on late. And now Dean, where where does Oklahoma state kind of go from here?
1: Yeah. So those, so like you said, coming off the big uh, series victory in Norman, the three-way regular season champ. I mean, at that point, you know, pretty much half the league, has a stake in in a regular season championship, so I don't know how much weight you want to put into that. But regardless, they're they're a part of it. Um, I I kind of thought that they were pretty locked in as a regional host. Um, obviously, losing last night does not help that case, and I think even somebody I forget which which uh, which publication had out an updated you know bracketology already from last night, and they had OSU fell down to. Uh, the number two seed in the Auburn regional. So I guess they weren't as locked in as I, I kind of thought they would be, but regardless, uh, you, you got to win a couple more. I it, Apparently based on, based on all this, you know, I think you got to win a couple more and you have got West Virginia today. That's not going to be uh, the, the easiest outing, um, especially based on how they played against West Virginia and Stillwater. Um, so I think you got to get one, maybe two wins. They're kind of in the same boat as OU. It's just while OU is fighting to make the tournament, OU or OSU is fighting for a regional host. Um, so yeah, super important because you, you can't you can't go 0 and two here. Um, but one of the, yeah, either West Virginia or OSU is going to have to, and and I think that really makes things interesting.
0: I think on the whole, you know what, all three of the the teams that shared the big 12 regular season title lost on the opening day of the conference tournament. So I I think that's, I mean, I, you know, in each of those three teams at different points of the season really slid, they look great at points really slid probably goes to skip Johnson's argument that this conference is one of the most balanced and has some of the most parity in the country, which is part of his kind of appeal about OU's place. You know, their, their RPI in the mid thirties, that's the tournament team, but, other parts of their resume don't quite look that way. And I think that's, you know, strength of schedule, RPI, the teams they've played is part of that pitch. And and for OU now, you know, you said OSU really can't go 0-2 without hurting themselves here. I think that was the same for Oklahoma coming in. I think 0-2 really puts them, would have put them probably on the outside looking in. I think getting that one win over Oklahoma now, excuse me, Oklahoma State puts them in a spot now. You know, you play Texas Tech, you see who you get perhaps in that next game. They may be able to do just enough to get them there. Right now, after last night, they are uh, their third three seed uh, against number would be number three Arkansas in the country Fayetteville Regional with Dallas Baptist and Maine. That would do for the Sooners a team that this time last month we were really wondering. You know, did they have the juice to turn things around to get back here? And I, again, that's where it feels a bit like the spring of twenty twenty two, a Skip Johnson team that has all the talent um this team probably less than a year ago but you know they they're talented we've seen it but just haven't put it together consistently getting hot at the end of a season sneaking in and and the quote we've kind of gotten out of that that OU camp from a couple of different players is just don't let us get in if we get in we'll be dangerous and and so that's kind of the way they're operating and and I, again i think kicking off things the way they did yesterday putting themselves in a good spot beating oklahoma state is that they, they might have one foot now in, in the NCAA tournament field. And and that's pretty big uh, for OU and Skip Johnson. Dean, I, I think we'll wrap it there. Uh, and you and I are both going to be busy running around this weekend. I'll be in Norman. You'll be in Stillwater. Big time, super regional action, seeing if uh, the two Oklahoma schools can find their way back to Oklahoma City. Uh, but I, I think we're going to have to renew the, uh, the crossover episode again at some point. Um, but in, until that time, you can find Dean and all his OSU thoughts, or OSU Sports Extra. Eric Bailey will be back next week. We'll be on it with, with OU Sports Extra. And you can find all of our podcasts and all of our work at the Tulsa World at TulsaWorld.com. You can listen, Spotify, Google, Apple, everywhere you get your podcasts. And we will be back. Hey, of course.